0: Welcome to Living Southern Oregon, a podcast dedicated to discovering and exploring all Southern Oregon has to offer. I'm your host, Simona Fino, and I will be introducing you to the people who live here, the things they love, and what makes Southern Oregon a magical place to call home. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living Southern Oregon. I'm really excited to introduce you to the fabulous Chef Emily Moore of Emily's Kitchen on Raikia Farm located in Applegate Valley. Emily and her husband Mark moved to Southern Oregon about five and a half years ago, hailing from Seattle, Washington. Welcome Emily. Hi, Simone. It's wonderful to see you. It's so good to see you, and I so appreciate the tour you just gave me of the whole farm and everything that you've got going on. Great, yeah. So I want to start this interview off by hearing your story. I want to know how you arrived in Southern Oregon, why you chose Southern Oregon. I know you came from Seattle. Maybe give us a little context of what you were doing in Seattle and how you ended up here.
1: Well. I've been a chef for more than 45 years. I was a restaurant chef in Seattle, and I also worked in Sun Valley, La Jolla, Santa Cruz, San Francisco, over the period of those four decades. And I got my training in sort of in the middle of that or the early part of that in France. So I went to a culinary school in Paris that is an accredited school, meaning that you can pass their national boards in cuisine, which they do have in mm-hmm. France, and become a cook who can work in restaurants in France. So I have that certification. It's called Certificat d'Aptitude Professionnelle. No. <laughs> and everyone you can it can and on cuisine. So you can get it in any any trade. Uh-huh. And cuisine in France is a trade. But it's a very, very highly, highly regarded tree. Mm-hmm. So um, after I did that, I really had a complete change in my chefing orientation. And I started to get a lot of recognition in Seattle. And I had a, 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 had a lot of awards. I got a four-star review in the Seattle Times which nobody had gotten for 17 years before that. Mm. So that meant that I was a known quantity in Seattle and people were were very, and interviews for Bon Appetit and New York Times and Seattle Corner, you know, just became a known known person in the region. And um, that had a, a big influence, I think, on the way that, I presented food, cuisine, I would say in each restaurant, I had a project that I went after. One of them, for example, was to introduce the world to the Ring of Fire cuisine, which is the countries that surround the Pacific, basically. And they're very, very similar climates. They're very similar ingredients. But the difference in the cuisines is absolutely beyond belief. So I chose, for this particular restaurant, I chose to do Indonesian food and well, basically Oaxacan food. the Sort of the opposite parts of the, the Ring of Fire. Because each of the, the cultures use tropical fruits, they use limes, but uh, Indonesians use lime leaf and kaffir lime and other parts of the plant, for example. But the cuisines use very similar ingredients but extremely, extremely different cuisines. So the reason for this little story is that I didn't do fusion much. I wanted to do absolutely straight Indonesian food that have been doing being done for a thousand years and the Oaxacan food that's been doing being done for a thousand years. So I put those on my menu next to each other so people could really have a an understanding of what that was, and then I put my twist on it. Of course, as a chef, you always do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You can't just. You're an you, artist. You, well, you become you become really used to doing your own style. So mm-hmm. I I developed a style which was uh, pretty creative, kind of you know not out there creative, but pretty creative. And this was before modernist cuisine. Mm-hmm. So um, my creativity did not include the molecular astronomy mostly very late in my career here when I came here I started to do some molecular stuff but before mm-hmm. that no. Mm-hmm. so um at a certain point I stopped doing restaurants because it is probably the most exhausting career that you can choose mm-hmm. and then doing it <laughs> I've been doing it for I've been doing it for 30 some years at that point And I started to teach at the college level. So I taught at, um, the Seattle, uh, branch of Le Cordon Bleu, um, which is, which is related to Le Cordon Bleu France. And, um, it had, had a very, very rigorous college level, um, program. So I taught every type of, of, um, course in that. In, that, in the school, so I would teach in the beginning cooking I would teach at the intermediate um, cuisine I taught pastries and advanced pastries and on and on etc. So I did that um, as well as teaching in another college for about 8 years and that was one of, actually I have to say teaching at Le Blue Bleu was one of the hardest things I've ever done mm. because you have 24 students who are all saying, chef, 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 (laughs) chef, all the time. So you have to be on for the four hours of their class, and then another class comes in immediately, and you have to do the same thing. So it's very, very rigorous. It was so rigorous, but it was very satisfying. I worked with wonderful, wonderful chefs on the faculty. And after that, I... Um, although I had had Emily's Kitchen for a long time. And sometimes I would, when I wasn't in a particular restaurant, I would do catering. Then I decided that I would do catering exclusively. And in Seattle, I worked with a venue that catered mostly to the big names in Seattle. Amazon, Google, Adobe. Um, and then all of the uh, smaller, start, you know, startup and successful mm-hmm. places in, you know, companies in Seattle. So we did very high-end cuisine for these, for, for well, I mean, Google, Amazon, I can get anywhere. Yeah. You know? so, <laughs> so we did um, pretty small. There were 40 to 50 people. Um, so I did a, that kind of catering for about a year and a half. And then... Um, and that, I, I really did have a great time with that, I have to say. I, I could do some extremely creative stuff and it was received really well. And I was able to do different meals each time, et cetera, et cetera. So I kind of got the catering bug mm-hmm. at that point. So when we moved down here, we decided to move down here because <laughs> Because we're getting older, and we wanted to live rurally, we wanted to live in a place that was really rural. And we thought of Ashland. Ashland really didn't have what we wanted, because we wanted to have a farm with acreage and, you know. And Ashland has, it doesn't have as much of an agricultural feel or community as does the Applegate.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true.
1: And we sort of all of a sudden heard about the Applegate, from a waitress at a restaurant in Ashland where we were eating, and she just went on and on about the Applegate. And we went, Well, we better look. And I have to say, as soon as we entered the valley, we were like, This is it. This is gorgeous. <laughs> this is amazing. And it is. I mean, even our views here, which are nothing like the views from Humbug Creek or, you know, you know, up in the up in the hills. Even the views here are just wonderful, are fabulous. We found a property that um, allowed us everything we needed to do. It's on the Applegate River. We have through almost four acres. Um, now we have a big, big orchard, a big crop area that we use for selling produce to the farmers' markets and to um, one of the stores near here in Applegate Valley called Tecube. Uh
0: huh. Yeah. In
1: Williams. Yeah. They are wonderful. We adore them. They really value organic farmers. they They look at your produce and pay what it's worth. So we'll sell to them, and then we'll sell them farmers' markets. Wow. Um, and then I do product development um, from the farm and do some of that that's then we sell as well. You know, in jars, cans, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. Or, or dried, or you know, different, a lot of different kind of product, kinds of products. Well, we didn't realize, so we went went to work. You know, we went, we went.
0: And you've been working hard because I just got the tour and I haven't been out here in a little yeah, bit. Yeah,
1: yeah. What we did first was we're in alluvial property right above the river. So what we did first was remove rock. I remember those
0: piles of rock. <laughs> remember
1: rock? Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we took out by hand, amazingly enough, 20,000 pounds of rock. Wow. Sometimes huge boulders buried in the ground. You stick a shovel into the ground and go ding, and you know it's a rock. Oh, my gosh. How big is it? You know. So sometimes they were 150 pounds. We would dig around them, and both of us would get underneath and push the <laughs> rock up out of the ground. And um, it was difficult getting it plowed because people said, I'm going to break my disks on, you know, my plow disks on this ground. Finally, we found someone who had um, equipment from the 1950s. And his disks were five feet tall. So little rocks, like 150 pounds, didn't didn't bother him. So then we got our entire property um, plowed for the first time. Wow. It had not been used at all for any agriculture or even pasture for 30 years, something like that. After after getting it plowed and, and de-rocked, essentially, we went into farming. Okay. And that was way more work than we ever thought would be
0: possible. <laughs> <laughs> Farming is hard work.
1: It is very it hard is work. extremely One hard One of the, work. the guy who did help us with the plowing, his name is Joe Hunkler. Hunkler. And he just loans, he just does, he just plows everybody else's um, uh, properties. But he said his dad told him, there's never a dull moment on the farm. Right. Never, never a dull moment. It's like all of a sudden we realize that and we you know, every once in a while we'd be out there for 12 hours and we'd say, never a dull moment on the farm, you know.
0: <laughs> never a dull moment and never a moment with nothing to do. That's right. <laughs> There's always absolutely right. a to-do list. That's
1: exactly right, yeah.
0: Always something going on. So
1: we have, now we have, like I showed you, we have cold frames for early mm-hmm. crops. We've got, and now we have. A patio that we're turning into a farm-to-table dinner. Which
0: I am super excited about.
1: Yeah. It's (laughs) mostly for wine dinners. We're going to pair up with wineries in Mm -hmm. the area. And in this area, it's really amazing. The Applegate is amazing. Truly one of the gems of the West and probably the entire country. We have nine wineries to the east of us and nine wineries to the west of us, Mm -hmm. and that's just the drop in the bucket. We just you know right along our road, and we and they're winery after winery after winery after winery. Yeah, it's amazing
0: and good wineries.
1: Very good Very good wineries. And the interesting thing about this area is that our climate here on this farm is completely different than the vineyard that that is across Mm -hmm. the road from us. They have a totally different climate. They're all south-facing. They've got um, a little more rain than we do, and we are only a a third of a mile away. What I'm getting at is that microclimates are a very, very influential and real thing in the Applegate Valley. So each winery has a different focus they make different wines they grow different grapes they have the perfect setting for spanish grapes or for burgundy grapes in France. you know and so they do that and and sometimes they'll mix those regions up but it's absolutely fascinating and the wineries are really really good really good it's something that's the
0: first place i tasted your food Oh, that's what right. <laughs> <laughs> at, right. at a winery. Yeah, a yeah. And yeah. And so it's it, food and wine. I mean, it's yes. a great yeah. pairing, obviously. And so the a table is such a brilliant idea. And I love that you now have this space for it, mm-hmm. like a dedicated right. patio space that that's what it's meant for. I mean, you even got the numbers of people that are going to be there. Exactly, yeah. And we
1: have, um, it's right in the middle of the orchard, Mm -hmm. which my husband has worked on really hard. and It's a gorgeous orchard. I think he has 36 different trees. I feel like he has four peaches and four plums and four pears and four cherries and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then we're also right in the middle of the crop area so that when you're having dinner, you're looking at the orchard and you're looking at the crops and... It's a very farm mm-hmm. two table <laughs> right. um, experience. experience.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And when mm-hmm. are you hoping to start? We have, we have, we're already
1: uh, starting with Longsword Winery um, on the fourteenth of May, which is a Saturday. We're gonna do uh, one in May. We'll probably probably do. Um, one or two a month,
0: and will that be here on site then? It'll
1: be on site. Okay. So, so they will bring their wines here. Perfect. And they just will have fun, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> pouring wine and etc. And when we'll, we'll, and I work out of my commercial kitchen here and make the food for about it's about twenty four people that we'll put that we'll yeah. we'll have the dinners for, and it's very exciting because. <clears throat> the wine it's it's really formed a table. The wines are from the valley, and the the food is from our crops and from other places in the valley and that's really very exciting it is and I'll get to do what I really want, which is to use um meat from here um eggs from here, poultry from here, vegetables from here. No, I mean, not the, we don't do the meat and the poultry, et cetera, but we can buy those
0: mm-hmm.
1: right around. And that's what we're, we're planning on doing.
0: Yeah, that's and, one of the things I noticed moving up here was just how, and I lived in Applegate to start with, mm-hmm. that's where I, when I, now I'm in Grants Pass, but is that the access to quality food and how it just, you can get anything. You can get all your meat, all, all, oh, all your mm-hmm. dairy even, mm-hmm, all your mm-hmm, everything. Mm-hmm. From local farms. That's exactly and right. It's really yeah. amazing. I love yeah. that. Yeah. And so to have a professional cook up <laughs> these really wonderful ingredients—that is what yeah. I'm yeah. really looking forward yeah. to.
1: So all of the background that I have will be brought to bear in our wine mm-hmm. dinners. So I get to do some wonderful stuff. Get to do what, you know, kind of whatever I like, and delight the people that are. Doing the pairing. The other thing about wine pairings that's interesting is that when you taste the wine there are definitely certain directions you go in in cuisine to pair with that wine. You know, for example a Pinot Noir Noir may go with a seafood, but it absolutely may not. It may need to go with pork or um, even a vegetarian option, you know, because I'm doing a lot more vegan food and a lot more vegetarian food, and learning a tremendous amount mm. about how to expand flavor and how to expand my um repertoire
0: and you were even mentioning when you were giving me a tour that Mark is now doing yeah he's vegan he's cheese. beginning
1: to do the research for vegan not just the research but the practical making of vegan cheese. So he knew the, he knows the woman who began the big vegan cheese revolution. She's named Miyako. She has vegan cheeses on the market. And she started out very humbly. And we met her a long time ago. And it's, I think it's a bit of an influence for him. Mm-hmm. You know, that she can do these really lovely cheddars and soft cheeses and some blue rind cheeses that are vegan that are made of not-dairy milk. Yeah. So so he's going to start, he's starting that, and that's very exciting, too. And hopefully so we'll get a
0: taste of some of that. That
1: because, at the farm-to-table, yeah. yes. He can also do, he's a cheesemaker, so he can also do dairy cheeses. And an interesting thing about the Applegate is that it used to be a huge dairy area, and now it's not. People grow, they raise goats, and they have enough milk to sell a little bit to you but if you're making cheese you have to have grade a milk from a grade a creamery and there is one in this valley now and they sell all their milk to a big dairy, a big producer Mm. and that's their contract and that's how it goes now so it's very difficult interestingly it is very difficult to get raw milk in the Applegate and in order to do a creamery you need to have that so that you can bring it not very far, mm-hmm. 10 miles to your your creamery and not have to have stainless steel refrigerated trucks and, you know, because you can't haul milk right. far without the law saying it must be absolutely sanitary. It has to have stainless steel ports when you come into the dairy, it has to have stainless steel ports when you leave, when you come into the creamery and... It's just extremely rigorous and expensive. So if we had da- if we had dairy close to us in the Applegate, that would be a really easy thing. But for various reasons, including that, Mark is going to do um, non dairy, but vegan cheeses here for my farm to table. He'll make mozzarella mm. or camembert or whatever we feel like, you know, right. to because we can do that for the small front too. right? which is fun, really fun. Yeah, so we can have cheese courses and that kind of thing. Nice. That'll be fun. Got yeah, cheese and wine and et cetera.
0: Yeah, you know, all the good things. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I, and I kind of want to emphasize for people that the Applegate is really a paradise for that. Like you said, yeah. it's just, you, you get on the road and there are eggs for sale, you know. Yes, And then I know. you go down the road and there is a produce stand that is remarkable, Absolutely mm-hmm. remarkable. You know, we've seen the best melons, or had the best melons and the best mm-hmm. garlic and produce out of one stand that's a mile away. Yeah. You know, it's just really incredible. And we're extremely happy to be in the Applegate Afri- for what we want to do. That said, it's so much work. <laughs> 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 running uh, <laughs> my My commercial kitchen... And doing the farm. Mark does most, at this point, he does a lot of farming, because I'm so busy with my catering. Yeah, I was so, going to say,
0: because now you're doing, you were just showing me your calendar, you're mm-hmm. doing a lot of weddings. So a lot of weddings. You do yeah. a lot of events over the spring and summer. Right, exactly. So the yeah. farm-to-table is not the only thing you're working on. No, at all, no. Yeah.
1: This is my second full year doing full catering, and I am completely booked for 2022 people started asking for wedding planning in 2021 so most of my clients i met in 2021 or on the phone you know met as it were as you do as a client um as their clients i don't meet them i talk to them on the phone and email but they are doing um weddings all over the road all over the road valley and out to the coast too so the weddings are going to take up a lot of my time this year yeah. you know and i was shocked because i thought oh i have so much empty calendar and then all of a sudden starting in november it started to just fill so my summer in in 2022 yes. is full i'll we'll save so, some space for the farm we will table, please. we will yes <laughs> we we absolutely will yeah it's, yeah. that's that's the most fun I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, we, we and then don't, you
0: don't have to travel far.
1: <laughs> and that's a huge deal. Actually, it's a yeah. huge deal. We'll be traveling on foot from the from your kitchen, kitchen out to,
0: to the to the That's a much shorter distance yeah. than out to the coast or yeah. even in the Rogue Valley. Right.
1: And now I also teach at um, and Mark does too at Rogue Community College, so I teach cuisine there. And um, I teach usually once every two weeks a huge variety of types of cuisine and orientations. So I just taught a Thai class, which was very successful. I, and I've been doing this for, we've been doing this. Mark just teaches cheese making and I teach cuisine, and we've been doing it for about four years with a year break for COVID. We did not do anything last year, but this year they started up again, and we're all masked up and able to do some some classes. So.
0: And do they change out the type of cuisine? Is yes, yes. I'm,
1: th- I'm doing next. I'm doing.
0: So, is this a one-off kind of class, or is this? A, it's a one-off
1: class. Ah, yeah. Okay. They're are three hours, and then we have a big meal afterwards of everything we cook, oh, which is really fun.
0: And that was at Rogue Community Rogue, College. Rogue Community College, the and West how much Western are those classes campus. To do and the they
1: cost each person, I think, $75. Okay. And I teach privately here, too. I just had a lovely class with an orientation I had not thought of before, which is they're two college students, and usually I, do, I don't do two because it's too expensive for the clients, but their mother decided she wanted to pay for the, the number of clients that I usually have. And we did basic cooking out of, you know, they brought a jar, they brought a jar of salsa, a couple of jars of tomato, already done tomato sauce for spaghetti, and we learned how to cook chicken in the tomato sauce and, and increase it with herbs, et cetera, et cetera, how to cook pasta, how to make arroz con pollo with the salsa and tacos with the salsa, you know, you know, we just did this whole thing. For college kids to learn how to cook with what they know,
0: right? It was really fun,
1: (laughs) and it's a thing that I am considering doing anyway because it's so needed. Yeah, you know, I mean, you get to you get out of home and you go to college and you just go.
0: Yeah, this is why wait, I'm teaching wait, my daughter. She says, right. "Why do I have to learn how to make chicken stock? I yes. just buy it at the store." Yes. And I'm like I'm going to teach you <laughs>
1: because you're going to really, really, really want to. You know? eventually, and, yeah, you'll appreciate it. And these it. students it were very fun, and they picked up on it, and they had a little bit of, um, of, they had a little bit of, of um, cooking experience. So we learned knife skills, and and they learned how, for example, to cut an onion, which is the easiest thing for chefs to do, but pretty much the entire lay population does not know how to cut an onion efficiently, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it was really a fun class, and I'm planning on doing more of those if, if I can. At RCC, I'm teaching, this year I'm teaching um, regional Mexican for Valentine's Day, I'm teaching French pastries demystified, <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm teaching, I taught Thai class, and I'm teaching a, a regional Chinese class, mostly Sichuanese, Hunanese, and then I will teach a pasta class, Um, uh, make your own homemade pasta mm-hmm. with laminated pasta and, and ravioli, and, you know, it's a pretty complex stuff, but very fun, really mm-hmm. beautiful, really beautiful mm-hmm. stuff, yeah. So that's really fun for me to go to teach. Mm-hmm. Having been a teacher for so long, it's really right. fun for me to teach. Getting the, to keep your my hand, your in hand it. in there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: that's that is fun.
1: So Emily's kitchen is catering. Product development because I have a lot of products that I work on uh-huh. and develop. I have pickles and sauces, barbecue sauces, a fig tapenade, a fig conserve right now, and then the last thing I do is teach. So it's a quite a full it is <laughs> um, um, uh, company. I guess yeah. you call know it. I have a company yeah. that does all these. Things. Yeah. So
0: and I, I was going to ask you a question that I ask all of my guests, which is, what do you do for leisure in Southern Oregon? And do you, I'm wondering, do you get any leisure time?
1: Well, I am actually, in this winter, I'm learning to take a day off. Well, as, like you arrived and I was weeding my, my flower garden. Is that a day off? That's a day off. That's, that's leisure. That's, that is leisure. Being able to work in my flower gardens, that's, that's leisure. I, I have to say, really, because I'm not thinking about My clients. I'm not thinking about. I'm not thinking about anything but the getting the weeds Mm -hmm. out of the bulbs. You know, the narcissus and the and the daffodils. Getting the weeds away. It's meditative. It's meditative. I have mint planted in there, so I can smell the mint the whole time. There you go. See, that's a day off. (laughs) off. (laughs) What other? What we also do is we take Sundays off, and we go to brunch in the area every Sunday. Ah. And we Mm -hmm. thought of doing a little. blurb about where to go to Bumja. Yes, Lunch okay, in, in I want to hear it right
0: now. What, give me your where, top three. we go? Three.
1: Top three would be Mimosa uh-huh. in Grants Pass and the Bohemian oh, in okay. Grants Pass and um, next door to the Bohemian is Lulu's and they're also lovely. Those are our top three. But we've lately been going to Tap Rock, which is right on the river mm-hmm. in Grants Pass and it's beautiful. The food is good. But it's Amer- all American. It's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's not like created like the last three, like the Bohemian and Mimosa and Lulu's. But it's wonderful view. It's a gorgeous place to be. It reminds you where we are. Mm-hmm. It's right on the Rogue yeah. River, and that is such an amazing part of this valley. It's not the Applegate Valley, but it yeah, is the rogue, no, rogue Valley area, and it's this Fabulously wonderful area of river. Mm-hmm. One time we were catering on the coast and we got to stay at a BNB which is right on the mouth of the road as it goes into the sea, the wow. ocean. And the first thing I remember is we we're coming across a bridge to get to the, the Airbnb or the, the Airbnb thing, or Verbo, whichever. Anyway, um, and a whole flock of pelicans was. Was flying with us as we crossed the bridge, and then we got to see all every kind of seabird—kingfishers, cormorants, pelicans—all fishing at the mouth of the river. Uh-huh. And it was absolutely fabulous. There's there's nothing like it, and that's part of our area too. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So sometimes my catering really takes me to gorgeous places, and it can, and you know, we so love that. Because you woke up in the morning and it was birds calling, and then mm-hmm. lots and lots of fishermen out on the out on the the road mm-hmm. as it gets to be almost as big as the Columbia, you know, at at its mouth. Yeah, it's just huge and gorgeous. And we forget about that part of our culture here. The, the coast is absolutely remarkable. It is you It's know. stunning. Yeah, stunning. Oregon is incredible. All, is. all of Oregon and. We think this is the gem. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> this is the gem of our... It is right in many here. ways, and right there's, there's
0: lots of gems. You know? Yeah, there are. There are, are lots yeah. of gems, but yeah. this is definitely... Well, I think one of the things I have always appreciated about Affligate, too, is just that we get so much sunshine. We're a little sunbelt, a banana belt, right? We are, so we yeah. Get it's sunshine.
1: amazing. We have property that has, interestingly, it has almost four acres, but it is not treed. We look around and there are evergreens and and a madrone all around us, but our property does not have trees, so we have twenty four seven, or I would say, you know, seven to seven yeah. sun every day. Mm-hmm. So it's perfect, perfect for farming. Yeah, we have southern exposure and and beautiful view of the hills beyond. We're right on the river. We yeah. have um, irrigation from a pump on the river. We when we bought the place, all the in, all the entire front of the property was irrigated off of the, off the river. Mm-hmm. So that's another amazing advantage that yeah. farmers can have water yeah. if they're on the river just by running a pump and irrigating their land. Mm-hmm. So we're really lucky. It's just an amazing. Even though it's incredibly hard work, <laughs> it gives back, you know, it gives back you know, what you've put into it. You can see everything you've done grow, you know. So this year I have my blueberries. I think are going to finally be, I'm going to be able to pick enough blueberries off my 25 plants and my raspberries are coming in and tayberries and then I have 50 yards of strawberries too. So last year we sold them at the farmer's market. We had plenty of strawberries. We had more than strawberries than we could possibly imagine. So the new farmer's market that is here on Wednesday evenings is a wonderful addition. The Applegate Farmer's Market, we yeah. just love it. And we go to sell every, t- every time we can. So you're asking what yeah. we sell. We also sell products that we've made. So if we're doing working on tarts, then we'll make little tiny tarts of all kinds of flavors and sell those. <clears throat> and it's a wonderful um outlet, people adore it. And then I'll can some of the things that I'm working on for my clients and like you saw the Carolina barbecue sauce. That was from a Carolina barbecue wedding. Okay. And so we'll sell that and some of you know, it's yeah. it sort of integrates itself. Yeah. You know whatever you're working, whatever we're working the moment, on the In the moment. Whatever's growing. Whatever's growing. That's awesome. And so in the beginning we sell starts and we sold Tomato and melon, and I believe we, last year we sold onion starts and cucumber starts and et cetera because we grow way more than we need, so we'll sell those at the farmers market.
0: Nice.
1: And
0: yeah, I keep hearing about the farmers market here. I still haven't made it yet. I I I'm a dedicated Saturday morning to the Grants Pass farmers absolutely, market. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and those
1: farmers markets, the ones in Grants Pass and Medford, are out of this world.
0: Yeah. They are.
1: They're out of this world. They're just, I mean, the produce is unsurpassed, coffee stands, you know, croquette bread and um, rise up bread, and uh, it's just amazing. What this little new market reminds me of is of the tradition of the Applegate, of having community properties or communes. Mm -hmm. This is the place where many, many of the Oregon communes began. And they still are being, being, they've been going on and on. And we have, in my classes, I've met several young women from communes that have been going since the 80s yeah. or earlier here in the valley. So it's very, very fascinating. I think that it's a really kind of a, a kept secret that there are still, you know, communities. You have mm-hmm. the perfect word for it um, intentional,
0: intentional communities. communities. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And they and they have their own farms, they grow their own produce, etc. It's really, really interesting. Yeah. And not something I think that's really known about the Applegate. Yeah. But it's one of the big traditions that mm-hmm. this is where all that started.
0: Yeah. You know? There's definitely so, a lot of it here, mm-hmm. for
1: sure. Yeah. So yeah. we we feel really, really lucky to have this property. It was shocking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so you bought, so you bought it and moved directly here. You weren't.
1: We moved directly here. here. And I have a really, really cute story (laughs) to tell you about that. We lived in, um, north, we lived north of Seattle in a little town called Mount Lake Terrace. And when we were living there, and we already had, we already were working on buying this place, but we had to fix up our Seattle place and sell it. So luckily, our, sellers here waited for us about four months for us to fix up and sell our property in Seattle Had a real estate agent here. And she called us up one day and said, do you have a real estate agent in Seattle? Because I have some people in your area who are moving down to the Applegate. And we said, yeah, we do. And gave her the name of our, our real estate agent in Seattle. And then she said, yeah, here's their address. They're really close to you. And we looked at the address. And Mark took it and walked about a minute and a half <laughs> to find this group, this family. I mean, they sisters, three sisters and husband, et cetera, and extended, um, who were moving here.
0: To Applegate. To Applegate. Right. Oh, my God! And
1: they live, they were a minute walk from us. Wow. There and they are a five minute drive from us on Thompson Creek.
0: Oh, now. nice. And we are
1: best friends. <laughs> so you we you lived next best to each other. Never we knew. never knew them, but we became best friends here. We oh, just, they're it. a wonderful family. They're doing an Airbnb uh, 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 glamping. Oh,
0: okay.
1: Yeah. Oh, in, in beautiful tents, gorgeous platform tents. With shower houses and that kind of thing, and yeah, they're not on the Applegate, but they have a stream, and they're wonder absolutely wonderful people. And it was like, what? <laughs> you know, they moved from one minute away in Seattle to five minutes away in Applegate. It was great. I love it. Was, it it was, was a great, is story. great. It was great. It was <laughs> like we already had. We automatically had friends.
0: You've got community.
1: The other thing that I was gonna um, talk with you about that I know you know is that when we moved, when we even visited here, we were shocked at the friendliness of people and the helpfulness Mm -hmm. of people to a person. Notwithstanding political differences, different ideologies, different ways of life, everyone that we have encountered in this area is friendly and lovely. Every single person. Mm -hmm. It's just, I, I cannot think of an incident... You know that where we were in conflict at all, um, except we had our we're we're of the of the democratic orientation, and we did have our Hil- Hillary Clinton signs stolen <laughs> <laughs> during yeah. the during the election, which we expected. The, yeah, but, we, but we but we but I I always, have a feeling if I had met the people that stole the signs, you battles, like them. <laughs> I'd still like them. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I have another little story about that. I have a, a wonderful friend who has a farm here on up hum, up humbug. No, it's up, it's up, um, it's up Taylor Creek. And she is an older woman, farmer, wonderful person. And I met her at a yard sale and we just got along really well. And then she said, I'm a trumper. Is that okay with you? <laughs> and I, I looked, I thought, of course, it's okay with me. You know, this is a lovely woman mm-hmm. and a lovely friend, and we've become really good friends. And not none of that political stuff is even a part of our relationship. And I love so. that. I
0: love hearing that because it's I. What I don't like seeing is the divisiveness, and mm-hmm. so I just I mm-hmm. I had the same experience coming here of just everybody is friendly, mm-hmm. and I come from the Bay Area where it is. People aren't always mm-mm, as friendly and it's mm-mm. it's people in a rush and it's just crazy and mm-mm, can be intense. It's, there's mm-mm. an intensity. Mm-hmm. And so being here and meeting people and just really having that openness and mm-hmm. that willingness to yeah. talk and say hello and yeah. check in with each other. Yeah. so and I love it, hearing that when yes there are political differences and that's okay. Yeah. You can you can agree to disagree yeah. and still be friends It's still hang out and still, really, it's out true. And still it's enjoy amazing. each other.
1: It's uh, just absolutely amazing. Yeah. Good people. Yeah. You know? so. Yeah. It, uh, there is an understanding. I think partly because we're agrarian, and I think there's an understanding of helping your neighbor.
0: Mm. Of under mm-hmm.
1: of you know you as in farming, you always help your neighbor. Yeah. You know all across the country, and it's very very true here. We have never had neighbors as lovely and as helpful and as wonderful as our neighbors we have here. We adore them. And they are fabulous people, just absolutely fabulous people. When we first moved here, one day, to, their neighbor, Ted, and, their name Ted and, were Ted and Jenny Rayburn, and they, he just drove up right, right from down the road from his house next door and up our driveway with about a half a pickup load of wood, of firewood. And he said, I just happened to have some extra firewood and thought you guys might need it. Aww. And it's like... Uh,
0: thank you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> of course we need it. And what? You, you know what yeah. I mean? That yeah. is, in Seattle, absolutely unheard of. It would never, ever happen. It would never happen. It just, even though we liked our neighbors and we were close to them, it was never that kind of yeah. neighborly exchange and feeling. And, you know, they're, they're we always watch each other's houses mm-hmm. when we're gone, you know, and, you know, look out for, you know, and one one time recently, Ted called me and said, none of your cars are there, but there's another vehicle
0: there. <laughs> and it was are,
1: someone who was visiting.
0: Right. You know? <laughs> so,
1: but, so it was really it's very it's very um tangible mm-hmm. this friendliness mm-hmm. is very tangible it's not just sort of like oh yeah everybody's friendly here no you it know? is it is
0: tangible yeah. that's a good way to put it mm
1: mm-hmm. and i have the funny i have the feeling that say my car broke down somewhere near i could probably go to the nearest house and say my cell phone's dead can i use your phone or can i get a glass yeah. of water or whatever I really have that feeling, especially yeah. lately when I've been, we've been, we, you know, everything, the, the only drawback that I find to learn here, and I'm sure you did too, was that, is that everything is far away.
0: Yeah, that's true. You drive a lot. A lot. But. You drive
1: a lot. Yeah.
0: Or And. There's no traffic.
1: That's right. It's exactly Sometimes right.
0: you get stuck behind a big truck Yeah, or, doing <laughs> or someone road, driving road real work, slow or, 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 road <laughs> or some road work, but generally speaking, at least you know, if you're driving 20 miles, it's going to take you 20 minutes to a half hour. Like right. it's not going to take you, you don't have to get out your phone and look and see what's the traffic it's, like right now. Is it going to take me an hour and a half?
1: Seattle Again. is probably ground zero for the worst of all. Oh that no, Bay effect. Area
0: might have you beat it's The worst. <laughs> LA, oh, I guess, LA too. LA too.
1: Yeah, and the Bay Area right. is really difficult yeah. at some at times.
0: But I find at, that at people three here, between
1: three and five, yeah. if you're in Oakland and you're trying to get
0: <laughs> anywhere else anywhere else, you're
1: screwed. <laughs> yeah. And it's always been that way. Yeah. It's true.
0: Yeah, so uh, I find we, that people don't want to drive that far here, and I just kind of have to crack up because for me, I'm like, I'm willing to drive an hour <laughs> to go kind of anywhere around because, especially if it's something amazing. Yeah. Like I go to Ashland all, well, I'm a real estate agent, so yes, I right. all over the place right. all, the all the time. But, you know, like tomorrow, I'm going to go to a gallery and I'm going to, it's in Ashland. Oh, great. And, you know, Fantastic. I try and get pass people that come sometimes and they're like, oh, that's so, so far. far. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> and there's no traffic. That's right. Like, you don't have to deal that's with right. anything. That's and right. it's beautiful. We, we
1: used to, <laughs> so you beautiful. drive to Ashland from here, it's 45 minutes yeah. from our place. Mm-hmm. I used to drive in Seattle going to my work at Le Cordon Bleu at any, any time. Sometimes I had to be at my classroom at 5.30 in the morning <laughs> I lived north of Seattle and the school was south of Seattle. So I knew that it was going to be at least an hour to an hour and a half drive, even at four o'clock in the morning. There was still traffic Ah! because it's, there's Boeing there and there's Microsoft there and there's, you know, everything that could create traffic problems. So when, when we think about we do that too. Oh, Ashland. I don't know. Let's not go. Are we going to go there for brunch? No. Let's go to Grant's Pass because it's closer, <laughs> or Medford. In actuality, when you think about it, I spent an hour each way going to work mm-hmm. in Seattle at least every single day. Right. And two you're hours about
0: brunch on a weekend. <laughs> two,
1: two hours, and now we're just thinking about forty-five minutes to act. what? You know, it's nothing, yeah. and. It's so funny also. This is really a, a super typical um Rogue Valley feeling when you're in Medford and there's actually a backup at a at a red light. There's a, a maybe a couple block backup. You go, "Traffic? Are we in traffic?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like I remember this, but this is, this
0: moves quicker. This at is, least. Yeah, <laughs> this is going to be
1: over in like two and a half minutes, you know, rather than two and a half hours. Yeah. So it's, it's not a, it, it's this, I mean, even though we travel a lot because in order to go to the store, our closest store is Hidden Valley, which mm-hmm. is 15 minutes away, 20 minutes away mm-hmm. and then back. So it's a 40 minute trip. Yeah. To just for the nearest grocery store. So when we go to Grants Pass or Medford, it's, it reminds me a little bit of when I was living, when I was very, very young, I was a teenager in Argenta, which is in BC. There was a road to the nearest town, which was Nelson. It was at the top of Kootenai Lake and it was about, s- Oh, gosh, 125 miles. The lake was 100 miles long, and so we had to go around the lake and get to Nelson. Mm -hmm. So it's a very small community, and if somebody was going to town, they'd go to everybody around, or they'd write a little note and leave at the community center and say, we're going to town tomorrow, leave us your list. Right. And people would say, I need 50 pounds of rice, I need, you know, a uh, five pound jar of honey, I need, you know, and then booze, of course, okay. <laughs> <laughs> to get
0: through it. us our wine. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Give <me> my whiskey. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: It was blackberry brandy uh, and, and rye. Yeah. Because it's Canadian. It's really, but that was, Yeah, it, we're have not to that say girl. that one of, one of, one of, one of, um, the reasons for me mentioning that is that I was 19. At the time, and I learned from the people at Argenta canning, making yeast, making mm. pectin from apples. I learned as a teenager some extremely valuable basic cooking skills: mm-hmm. how to how to humanely kill a chicken, you know that kind of thing; how to humanely kill a pig, that you know all of that stuff; mm-hmm. how to can a Twenty orchard, a twenty twenty tree cherry orchard worth of cherries. Yeah, <laughs> how many cans is that? You know, how how to do eighty cans of cherries at once? You know, how to make yeast and then make bread for for forty loaves, that kind of stuff. So I was very young and I learned that, and I have to say that when I when I got into the chefing field, which was a little bit later in my in my life because I went into college in music and art first, and I always cooked, but I didn't go into the chefing career until I was 28. I really thought that everybody had that background. Every chef had the background that we have here, you know, that people like we have, the Stuckies that are world famous. Shocky. shocky, 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 yeah, shockies. yeah, yeah. the, the shockies. I'm sorry, yeah, the fermenters. A, yeah. yeah, they have. They are world famous for their fermenting abilities, and that's what they do for living. And that's here. That's what you learn as an agrarian. You know, you learn to put up stuff. You learn to make pectin. You know, which is really easy because it's just uh, underripe apples, and you know soak them in water and then grab the (laughs) peckin. No, it's very, it's interesting, you know, how we've lost a lot of that. And that when I expected all the chefs that were in the great restaurants or the good restaurants that I was striving to work in, they did not know that stuff at all. They didn't have a clue where pectin came from or, you know, the properties of sourdough or, um how to ferment. They knew none of that. It was very, very interesting to me. Because I was in a way, I was like totally surprised. You're a chef and you don't know this (laughs) stuff? You know, so coming back so coming Coming here. Coming back
0: to it. It's coming home. Yeah, it's It's coming coming, really coming coming home. Coming back home to
1: it. Yeah. Very true. Absolutely true. You know, it's a it's a a way of and in France I have to say, that orientation is very—it's much alive, mm-hmm. you know—it's still alive, and you learn more of that even in culinary school than you would here. So, this is yeah, this is sort of the the culmination of a life's work in cuisine and and on farms.
0: Yeah, well, I am really excited to partake. Because I've already eaten your food, so I know <laughs> how good it is. Thank you. That's <laughs> and so I know, I will say it. So this is my story with you. I think I've told you this before. Certainly. So, yes. As I was at Longsword and they were doing some event and I was working the event mm-hmm. and you brought in, I think it was just sides. All mm-hmm. of you, you just did sides mm-hmm. for the pig roast mm-hmm. that they had done mm-hmm. out there. And I oh, took yeah. a bite of whatever, I some salad, whatever side it was, and I knew instantly there was a chef in the house. Like it was not, this was not restaurant around here. Like it was somebody who really knew what they were doing. Thank and man. I went and found Kate right away. It was like, who, who did the food? <laughs> and she's like, oh, you haven't met Emily. And now I've met you. And of course I've had your food several times. Yeah. Since. And you and worked with me on one Yeah. Yeah. So I'm Which really looking fun. forward to it. And especially after hearing you talk right now about how, this is home. This has brought you your this culmination is coming back home. Mm-hmm. So I'm really mm-hmm. looking forward to that. And yeah. I really appreciate you sharing all that oh, with us today. It's so a delight. Thank you for being here. It's a here. delight
1: to be with you and a delight to to share all this. I'm um, glad that I could. Well
0: we're gonna put the the your uh, website, I'm assuming that we'll be able to find information sure. on your website. Absolutely. So Emily's yeah. Kitchen, so we'll be able to find that. And okay. I'll put a link in the show notes oh, at the great. end that okay. way people can Go and look for when they can sign up for your farm to table dinners.
1: That's great. We haven't decided exactly yet, but we we're okay. going to put them on. So okay, well All right. they'll be there, and the classes also should be oh, there. Oh, perfect. Good, yeah. good. Yeah. All right. And well, my background, a little bit about me. Yeah. So it's it's a fun website. It's really very. It's a it's a good a good connection.
0: Yeah.
1: To excellent to Emily's kitchen and the farm and me. So. All
0: right. Thank, thank you, you so thank much. You. I appreciate it. I so appreciate
1: it. This has been absolutely great. Thank you,
0: awesome. Simona. Thank you so much for tuning in. That was Chef Emily Moore, a local Applegator and head chef of Emily's Kitchen. So be sure to check out the show notes and find her link there where you can go to her website and learn more about what she has to offer, both here in Applegate Valley and beyond. And until next time... I'm Simona Fino, and this is Living Southern Oregon. This podcast is produced by Simona Fino and co-produced by James Dedakis and Jaded Media. Original music by Samuel Lawrence.